Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? You doing good? All right. Is this thing on, Chase? All right. There we go. I'm usually louder than this. That's probably the problem. Well, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here at Journey. Uh, if this is your first time here, welcome. Thanks for coming and, and checking it out. Uh, we like to have a good time, obviously, worshiping God through music, but also we want to worship the Lord by digging through his word. And so today we're going to be in John chapter 21. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and flip to John 21. Uh, but before we go there, I, I want to remind you of some stuff that I, uh, Pastor Aaron had said. He just wrapped up a two-week sermon series going through the book of Philemon or Philemon or Philemon, however you want to pronounce that thing. Uh, so he's going through that book talking about restoring a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and that was, there were some pretty powerful moments in there for me. I don't know about you guys, but there was a lot of things that I took away from that that I needed. And uh, one of the things that he had said in there was, uh, was mind-blowing to me. Uh, I didn't know this before, uh, but Aaron had mentioned that uh, him and I apparently have a song which I thought was really weird. I didn't know that at first. Uh, did that surprise anyone if you were here for that, that him and I have a song? Yeah, it's pretty weird, right? And so uh, I was like, okay, I, I know he has a man crush on me, so that makes sense, so that's, that's okay. And so I, I met with him after the sermon, and uh, I, I, we discussed it, and he's like, you know, we really need to sit down and think about this. Like, this is a big choice. We gotta think about what our song's gonna be for 2022. And so after much fasting, and uh, praying and, and considering, uh, we came to the theological and doctrinally sound conclusion that, that our song for the year of our Lord 2022 is Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. So there you go. I, I know a lot of you guys, you just could not sleep without knowing that answer. So, so there you go. I hope you guys get some rest now thinking about all that. <laughs> but, but he did ask us a question. He asked about New Year's resolutions. And was there anybody that made a resolution this year? Awesome. Few, yeah, awesome. Right on. I, I hope you're sticking to them, that you're, you're getting a good, uh, a good kickoff to all this, uh, to, to making your resolution happen. Um, usually, the only resolution that I make is to uh, not make one, because they usually make a liar out of me. I can never stick to those things. I'm, I'm so bad at them. And so I just, I stopped making them a long time ago, but resolutions aren't a bad thing, right? They're, they're things that usually we want to get better at, we want to grow in, whether it's a physical health, like if we want to start eating better, or we want to meet with a personal trainer, maybe figure out what we can do better uh, to, to be physically healthy. Maybe it's one of those things we want to, um, we want to kick that bad habit that we're stuck in, right? Maybe, maybe you're a chewer or a smoker. Uh, maybe you bite your fingernails or pick your nose, and this is the year you're going to stop picking your nose. But a lot of times for Christians, we have these spiritual resolutions, right? We want to read the Bible in a year. So, so we download uh, the Bible app or we download Daily Audio Bible and we start working through the Daily Audio Bible and, uh, and going through that. Or we want to set more time aside to pray, to just pray, with, uh, to pray to God and then sit in silence and listen to what he has to say to us and move from there. And these are all wonderful resolutions to have. 
But one of the things, like I had said before, I hadn't made resolutions in a long time. And so this year, though, after, after talking about that and kind of diving deeper into that, I, I decided this year I do want to make a resolution. And my resolution for the year 2020 is that I never want to take anything for granted because you never know what you got until it's gone. It's a true statement, isn't it? You don't know what you got until it's gone. Right? There are so many things in life that matter to us, but unfortunately, we don't only see how much they matter or how much that person matters until they aren't here anymore, until that thing isn't here anymore. You know, COVID ripped a lot away from us, and I saw personally like how I had to move from, from being with all you guys on Sundays to just doing online stuff. I, I, I didn't like that. Yeah, the online got way better, but that was not a good way to worship, right? We should be together doing this together. So I don't want to take those things for granted. Uh, the other day, my wife and I were at home, and, and I had ran outside to start my truck because it was cold. It's usually not weather like this, so that, that's been kind of crazy. But I ran outside to start the truck, and uh, when I came, uh, came back around the corner after starting my pickup, I'd seen my kids. There's a glass door there, and, and I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, and, and they're putting their hands on the glass, and my son's got his nose pressed up against the glass like this and <laughs> licking the window a little bit. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I'm laughing, and I, I go inside and I sneak around him, and uh, my wife said uh, something that was actually profound. She said, you know, I love seeing those little handprints there because they're not going to be there forever. These are not going to be there forever. And it really, really made me remember that I don't want to take time with my family or my kids for granted. Right? I, I like doing hobbies. I like going to work. Um, we, we have a side business where we do digital marketing stuff, and, and I love getting to do that stuff, but I never want that to take precedence of my time with my wife or my children or my time with God especially. You know, I believe that there are some times in our lives when we just go back to the old ways of doing things. Right, We just some kind of drift back into this old person that we used to be, and then we just start thinking, how did I get here? Like, I, I had made these goals and these resolutions that I wasn't going to do this anymore, but then you catch yourself doing exactly what you swore that you would never do again. And it's hurtful to get back into those old habits a lot of times. They're, they're hurtful and dangerous, not just to ourselves, but to a lot of people around us as well. And whether out of necessity or, or circumstances beyond our control, sometimes we end up taking a break from something or from someone that we truly love. Right? Sometimes it can be like that for us in following Jesus and participating in the body of believers, which is the church. Remember, this building here, this isn't the church. This is just a building. The church is the body of believers, us who are out there sharing the gospel and living the gospel. Right? For some of us, there was that time in our lives when we, when we first get saved. And I remember this for me. When I first got saved, there was that fire, right? And I, everyone I talked to, I wanted to tell them, I got saved, and, and I know Jesus, and, and I wanted them to know Jesus with this passion. And then sadly, and this is not too rare of an occurrence for Christians, that passion starts to go away. Right? These old habits creep back in. Life and time start to get in the way. Right? Old relationships may steal our attention, and church becomes less and less of a priority. And instead of this daily pursuit of trying to, to know God deeper and read his word and, and be in the word with him, it goes from a daily pursuit to something that we might do once a month as long as the big game isn't on or as long as there's not something else in my way. 
Right? Before you know it, you don't even recognize that person who once got saved in the first place. Right? And this is not a rare occurrence. It's all too common. You know, I believe this happens often because we lose sight of the value in following Jesus and being part of the local body. Remember, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 reminds us to not forsake the assembling together because that's what's going to encourage us to press on and continue in our faith. No, but if we're honest with ourselves, I think a lot of times we like to take that path of least resistance, don't we? And if something is hard and difficult, we're going to revert back to what we used to do instead of sticking to what God's called us to. But I mean, let's face it, the path that Jesus calls us to walk is anything but easy, right? It's anything but easy. So when things get hard or life becomes challenging or Jesus, to, Jesus calls us to do something uncomfortable, maybe like move to Oregon for six months, uh, been there, did that. But our natural response will always be to go back to what is familiar and comfortable, to go back to that path of least resistance, you know, the last two weeks, we've been looking at restoring a relationship with Jesus. And that is a wonderful thing to have, to, to restore those relationships with him and to walk through forgiveness with other people. And then Pastor Aaron ended that series with a verse from uh, 2 Corinthians that I just love. And it says this, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. But in order to start reconciling our relationship with Jesus, we first and foremost have to prioritize our relationship with Jesus. It has to be a priority. And that right there is the importance of getting back at it for God. Right? We can get back to walking with Jesus the way we used to when we first got saved because he never left us or forsake us, right? It's, it's us who tend to be like sheep and go astray and we're prone to wander off. We're the, the sheep or the sheeple, if you will, who go off and do our own things a lot of times. But the good news is, is we can get back to serving God, walking with God, serving in the church, being with the church, and living the way that we once did. You know, maybe you're listening to this or you're watching this, you thought, you know, I've, I've actually never really been plugged into church and I've never uh, really done this. I've just listened to the messages, well, I hope that this short two-week sermon series is going to show you the value of getting into uh, the body of believers, getting plugged in with one of us. And I hope it'll motivate you to consider doing this. I mean, after all, Jesus has given us eternal life, right? The least we can do is follow him and trust him with our lives. And so today, we're going to be in John chapter 21. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John 21, and we're going to kick off right at the top of this thing. John 21, it says these words here. It says, after this. Okay, we got to stop right there already. After this. We got two words in, and we already got to stop. Okay. After what? What are we talking about here? Well, this is after Jesus has died, been buried in the tomb, and then rose again. All right, this is right after Jesus sees, or he shows up and, and shows Mary Magdalene that he is risen. And then Mary goes back and tells the guys that, yeah, I've seen him, he's alive. And then Jesus shows up to the disciples in the upper room, right, behind this locked door that's there. And, and Jesus shows up to these guys because they're nervous that they're going to get persecuted. And so he shows himself to them, he reveals himself to them, but Thomas isn't there this week. 
right? Thomas missed church. He missed an encounter with Jesus. So don't miss church. You might miss an encounter with Jesus. That's what I'm saying. And so Thomas misses an encounter with Jesus. But a week later, after Thomas says all these things to the disciples about how I will never believe that Jesus is risen unless I take my finger and put in his hands. And remember that original language, hand also included the wrist. And so where that spike would have been driven in and Jesus would have been in his wrist, that would have locked him down on the cross there. If it was in his hand, it would have just ripped out. That they would have known how to kill somebody on a cross. The Romans were, were brutal that way. And so uh, Thomas says, unless I put my finger in the holes of his hands and I put my hand into his side, I will never believe that he is risen. And then Jesus shows up to him. He doesn't beat him over the head, right? He doesn't say, you filthy, rotten sinner. He just says, hey, Thomas, go ahead. Put your, put your fingers in my hands. Put your hand in my side. And then Peter responds with a term that we should always come to God with, right? He declares, my Lord and my God. He recognizes now who Jesus is. And he went from declared unbelief to radical belief in Jesus Christ. And we see that by how he addressed him, by saying, my Lord and my God. And I want to tell you something. The doubts of Thomas actually make great news for the rest of us. Right? Because maybe you're here today and you don't even uh, believe in Jesus yet. Maybe you're agnostic or an atheist. And the first thing I want to say is welcome. Thanks for coming to check this out. It takes a, a lot of nerve for, for somebody to walk in and a lot of gut strength to walk into a church, especially when Christians aren't usually the nicest people in the world, right? And so good on you guys for coming. I hope you feel welcome. And I hope you know that just because you have doubts and questions and things going through your mind about this, this Jesus character, I just want you to know that that'll actually make you a really great disciple of Jesus Christ because Thomas had doubts. Thomas had things that he wasn't sure about. And Thomas ended up, if, if I remember correctly, he takes the gospel all the way to Asia and he spreads this message out. I, I could be wrong, it could be somewhere else, but I think it's Asia that he goes to. So you can make a great disciple if you have questions and doubts about Jesus Christ. And then he wraps up, John wraps up chapter 20 with this statement, I love this. It says, the purpose of this gospel. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. If you go to the end of chapter 21, it talks about how there would not be enough room pretty much in the world to store all of the books that would contain everything that Jesus did while he was on earth for his short time in ministry. But it goes on, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So that leads me to a question I want to ask you guys. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that this eyewitness testimony account from John and from the other synoptic gospels, do you believe that that's true? And I love the word that's used here in the Greek. It's uh, for believe, it's pestuo. Can you say pestuo? Pestuo, right? It sounds like pasta, and I know it's right before lunch, so I apologize for that. So, but pestuo, it's, it's not just a noun. This word is a verb. It's what you do. So we live our faith. We do our faith, right? James 2 tells us that faith without works is something dead. It's, it's not something that's gonna help anybody out. 
Right? When we come to faith in Jesus, he fills us with the Holy Spirit, and then we are equipped to go out and do his work, right? And we're not saved because of those works, but we are saved to do those works, which he set apart for us. How cool is that? What it's saying here is that we don't simply need to say we go to church, but that we need to get out there and actually be the church, be the hands and feet of Jesus to a dying and broken world. And so there we are, just two words in, and we're already cooking along, all right? So we go after this. Let's keep reading here in verse one now. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. The Sea of Tiberias is also known as the Sea of Galilee, okay? And he revealed himself in this way. So now he's gonna list some of the disciples that were there. He lists Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, or some of your translations may say Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. Man, I love that Simon Peter and Thomas are the first ones listed here because they were the ones who just got off of denying Jesus and saying that they would never believe in who he was. Do you guys remember uh, when I preached on Psalm 23, I was talking about the sheep who had gone astray and gone their own way? You see, this is what pastors fantasize about, unless you're, you're curious, is that people remember what they preach on. So, so just in case you were wondering, that's what pastors fantasize about. But in Psalm 23, we talked about how we, like sheep, go astray and how we are prone to wander off and how those sheep are just like us, right? We are just like those sheep. And the shepherd, he doesn't just let him go out there and die, Right, we talked about how if that sheep goes off on his own, he's, uh, he's either a wolf's lunch or some other predator's lunch. These sheep, they'll go out there, they'll get into a hole and they'll become cast, which means they get on their back and they're sitting there turtling and they can't get up because they don't know how. And they'll, they'll do that, but they'll just sit out there and they'll die. Right? When they become cast, those gases in their stomach actually start to choke them off and it's not long before they die. And the shepherd just doesn't say, well, that one's gone. Good luck. We'll see you later, maybe. No, he goes out there. He chases after them and restores the sheep to the flock. Translation, when we screw up, notice I didn't say if we screw up. I said when we screw up and turn away, just like the sheep who decides to go their own way and get lost, Jesus, who is the good shepherd in the gospel of John, Jesus, who is the great shepherd in the book of Hebrews, comes after us, seeks us out, just as he does with Peter throughout John 21 here. And we're gonna see that, how he does that over these next two weeks. Because no matter how many times Peter denied Jesus, no matter how many times he said he wouldn't turn away from him, Jesus continued to seek Peter out. And he does that same exact thing for each and every one of us because there is no such thing as a useless person in the kingdom of heaven, all right? So he wants us to be a part of his flock. There's also no one who is beyond forgiveness, right? Peter thinks he's beyond forgiveness for what he had done. But there's no such thing as someone who can be forgiven too many times, and so he brings up Peter first, and then he talks about doubting Thomas. We've already gone through his story. 
And then the next guy he talks about is Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee. This guy, his, his name even suggests that he would have been a white-collar guy. He would have been someone who, who doesn't do the hard blue-collar kind of work. And then we come to these guys, the, the sons of Zebedee. That would be James and John, right? These guys are known as the sons of thunder. It's a killer band name if you guys are looking to start a band. You, sons of Thunder, there you go. There's a great band name. But these Sons of Thunder, the reason they got their name was because they were walking with Jesus and, and these, this town didn't accept the message of Christ. So they're like, hey, Jesus, we're your guys. You, uh, you want us to call down fire from heaven and nuke these dudes? And I'm sure Jesus is like, oy vey, you fishermen, you don't know what, what I'm here to do. And so if uh, I'll do a modern translation for you. You guys remember the Mighty Ducks? Anyone remember the Mighty Ducks? These dudes are the Bash Brothers, okay? So that, there you go. Mighty Ducks reference in church. You're welcome. But then he goes on listing all these different types of people, these people who are different socioeconomically, these people who are different in, in all sorts of different ways. And it's important to see how different they were, okay? So you've got Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen, of their day. They're the blue collar guys. We talked about Nathaniel, how he probably came from a line of royalty. And then we had guys like Simon the Zealot, okay? I know he's not listed here, but he also followed Jesus. You got Simon the Zealot. He would have been the dude who's on Facebook all the time posting political posts, making sure that everyone knows his opinion about his politics. He's, he's got his Make Jerusalem Great Again hat on and, and making sure everybody knows what's happening. So you got him, but then you've got this guy on the other side whose name is Matthew. And Matthew is a tax collector for the Roman government. People would have hated him, not because he's a, only because he's a tax collector, but because he's also adding his own fees on top of that that the people would have to pay, right? He's getting his slice of pie too. Oh, these guys socially would have hated each other. There would have been no reason for them to hang out. And yet, even though they had nothing in common, because Jesus was their Lord and Savior, they were spending time together and doing life together. Right here, it shows the importance of being in a life group. And some of you may say, oh, no, those things are too lame, or I'm too Christian for those, or that's too churchy for me, I can't do a life group. Well, maybe that's why you've been so spiritually stuck for a while, and you're having a hard time getting back at it for God. Right? I was listening to a sermon the other day, uh, by a pastor that I, I like to listen to. And he had mentioned uh, they were doing their life groups as well. And, and he had said that we learn in rows, but we grow in circles. Like, man, if I could steal a term and coin it as my own, it'd probably be that little phrase right there. We, we learn in rows, but we're growing in circles. And church, we need more circles, Right? We need more people to step up and be leaders and more people to say, you know what? I am spiritually dead. This isn't going well. I need somebody to walk alongside me and push me as we go towards Jesus. Right? We need more people to, to commit to those and more people to lead those things. These, these 10 sessions that we have, that's all. And you don't have to have a Bible degree to do this. You don't have to be a theological expert to do these things. All you have to do is be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to do for some other people, what was never done for me. Right? I'm going to gather some people around a table and just ask them, how are you doing? How's your spiritual walk going? Right? How are you doing? 
And then tell them that you're going to be there for them. And then walk next to each other in God's word, in prayer, doing life together and getting closer to God and to each other. Right? We have so much more of a greater impact when we're in community together. Right? It's, it's really bad when we get out there on their own. We, we think we have it all figured out and nobody can teach me anything because I know it all. And we get out there on our own and that's when Satan comes in and just keeps feeding you those lies of pride. Right? You say, oh, you have it figured out. You don't need those guys. They're too stupid. They don't see it your way anyways. Right? It's, what it's like is the antelope that's in Africa. This antelope gets stranded off on its own away from the herd and now He's a lion's dinner, right? He is looking to be devoured by the lion who is prowling around looking for something to eat. So get in a group, get in a Bible study, get in community with other believers, right? Get connected with other believers. Serving with other believers is a great way to meet people and to get invested, right? And don't let the enemy get a foothold on you by saying that these things aren't important because they are important, But this brings us to our first point in our text today. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Our first point about this section is going back to the old. Back to the old. That's what we're going to see that these guys are doing here. All right, so after that huge, big contextual setup that I just gave you guys, let's uh, hop down to verse 3 and see what this says here. Verse 3 says, I'm going fishing, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you, they told him. And they went out that night, they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. All right, and this is a huge deal, by the way. Um, who in here likes to go fishing? Who likes to go fishing, right? Lots of hands. Awesome. Hey, Jesus did a lot of ministry while fishing, so that's awesome. Now, who here has a boat that they like to go fishing on? You guys got a boat, a few of you? Sweet, leave those hands up because uh, what I'm doing is taking inventory to see who I need to do ministry time with when the weather gets nicer. All right, cool. We'll talk after service. <laughs> so Peter says he's going fishing. But where are they fishing at? Do you remember where they're at? They're at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, right? Where Thomas used to be a professional fisherman, right? This is where he made a living. What's fascinatingly sad about this is that they've already seen the risen Jesus Christ. They've already been breathed on by him when Jesus said, hey, receive the Holy Spirit. They've seen him confront Thomas gently about the doubts that he has. And they just decide that they want to go fishing. And you see, when Peter says he's going fishing, it's not just like hobby fishing, okay? It's not like he's saying, hey, we've seen the risen Lord, but, you know, it's Saturday, the weather's good, and the fish are biting, all right? No, 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 no. What they're doing was turning back, in my opinion, turning back to an old lifestyle of fishing. They're going back to how they used to live before Jesus came. Now, if you look at the original language here, the the Greek term for going is the word hupago. Can you say hupago? Hupago, you guys are asleep. Can you say hupago? Hupago. There you go, you're awake now, great. Well, we see it used in some different ways in scripture, of course, but the context here really suggests that they're not just going, but they're going their own way. They're going their own way. They decided to go their own way. That's a terrible idea when following Jesus. 
right? When these guys met Jesus, when they dropped their nets and, and started following him, Jesus said, no longer will you be fishers of fish, but you will now become fishers of men. These guys are supposed to be fishers of men, right? But what they do and what we all have the tendency to do when circumstances don't go our way or the way that we expect them to, even though we know that the tomb is empty and Peter knows that Jesus is still with him, he still doesn't exactly know what he's doing with his life yet, right? But Jesus told them in John 20, 21, he said, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Look at this. I also send you. He's not saying I send you to go fishing. This would have been the context of I send you to go out and spread the gospel message. Right, so they have a general idea about what's happening. But remember, these dudes aren't too quick. Right, they're a little slow and, and kind of like me. So, so if you're, you don't pick up on things easily, you get confused real easy, you don't always understand what's going on like me, yeah, you can also make a great disciple of Jesus Christ, all right? And we also have the tendency when we get confused or frustrated with life or we don't know what we're supposed to do, we go back to these old things. We go back to our old lifestyles that we used to be in. But Christians, there's a giant warning embedded in here for us today. Because there are some of us who are sitting in these chairs or you're watching online today and Something happened to you, right? Maybe, maybe something happened to where somebody hurt you, right? Again, it could be a Christian. It could be a non-believer. Somebody hurt you, and you're thinking, man, I'm never going to go back to a church again. Those guys are a bunch of hypocrites, right? We hear that all the time. We know we're hypocrites. That's why we're here, right? We're learning from the one perfect one. You know, something might have happened that threw you off. Maybe it was COVID and it said, you know what? Like, just stay at home. You don't need to be plugged into the body. You can just watch online in your PJs and you'll be just fine. But what we're gonna see here is that Jesus does, doesn't just sit and wait patiently for Peter to get his act together and then return to the holy city, to Jerusalem. Jesus continues to pursue these guys over and over again to pursue his rebellious children and go after them. And today, I know there are some of us who used to be connected in the church, wherever you're at. Maybe you're watching from somewhere, somewhere else even, and you've gone back to the things that you used to do. But church, if you hear one thing today, I want you to hear this. When you come to Christ, you don't have to do the things that you used to do because you're not the person that you used to be. Amen? When you come to Christ, you don't have to do the things that you used to do because you're not the person that you used to be. What's happening is Peter is returning to his old lifestyle. He's going back to the old. And then it goes on in verse three to say this. So we're coming with you, the disciples told him. Wow, how sad is that? Because Peter was the leader of these guys, right? And as goes the leader, so goes the whole crowd. Peter decides to go off and do his own thing. And these guys just decide that they're gonna do something else here. You know, I've seen a lot of good folks with wonderful intentions get lost by following the wrong leaders. Right? It's sad when that happens because leaders sometimes in this world, they're spiritually abusive. There are leaders who will take God's word and rip it out of context and twist it to make you believe something or make you do something that's not even scriptural. 
right? There are believers who will divide over all these secondary issues, right? Like Republican and Democrat or Calvinism and Arminianism, and we can't do that. The guys in verse two here didn't even divide over that stuff. They stood on the solid rock that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one gets to the Father except through him. And so we want to make sure that we don't divide over those secondary issues. It's not okay to do that. And so if you're a leader, be careful, right? Be careful. The most important thing that you can do is just be honest. Be open with people, right? If there's something you come across and and you just don't know what it's talking about, something's out of your wheelhouse, just say, hey, guess what? I, I don't know. That's an okay answer to say, I don't know. Let's do some research together. Let's get in God's word together and figure out what he says about it before I put my bias or my preference or my prejudice on top of it, right? We need to be more like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. You guys remember the Bereans? It's, it's written, Luke writes the book of Acts, and he says that the Bereans were a more noble people than most because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul had told them was true. So I'm telling you guys, search the scriptures daily when it comes to anyone you listen to, especially Pastor Aaron. You can't take that guy anywhere, right? You really got to check him out. No, check him. You check me. You check anyone you listen to against the perfect word of God. But let's keep reading here. It goes on to say this. They went out that night, they got, or they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught Nothing. Well, it's uh, pretty embarrassing if you're supposed to be a professional fisherman on the Sea of Galilee and you go to the Sea of Galilee and you don't catch anything, right? But we talked about this. Peter goes back to what he knows. He goes back to fishing. But just as with us, once we turn our lives over to Christ, when we try to go back to these old things, they're just going to be fruitless. And it's not going to pan out well. We're never going to feel satisfied doing the worldly things that we used to do. Right? They're not doing what God called them to do. They're going through motions. They're doing what their flesh wanted. However, we will always come up empty with zero, zip, zilch, nada in our nets when we don't fulfill our purpose as children of God. I want you guys to remember this, that old habits get you nothing and they'll take you nowhere. Old habits will get you nothing and take you nowhere. So here they are, empty-handed after a long night's work. And then in the dawning light, they hear this voice calling to them from the shore, giving them some fishing tips. Let's go on to verses four and five. It says, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Friends or children, Jesus called to them, You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Right, so they see this this guy on the shore who says, friends. And and like I said, it's also children. Like at the bottom of my scripture, it says it's literally children. So I went back to the Greek. I looked it up. I was like, what does this this word actually mean? And uh, I, I couldn't help but chuckle. It means children, but it also is used in terms of damsel. I think you see where I'm going with this, don't you? So... Let's, I mean, let's really focus in on the context here. This is kind of a clue that Jesus is just going to start messing with these dudes and just having a good time with them. Because he's Jesus, right? He knows they didn't catch any fish. And so he's just going to start messing with them a little bit. So he says, hey, children, or hey, friends. 
I picture that like when I'm talking to my son. He's a year and a half old, and he's still got the penguin waddle when he runs, right? And so he'll bring me something. I was like, what you got, little buddy? Hey, little buddy, you got anything? Oh, no, but you poo-pooed in your diaper? Okay, little buddy. Like, that's, that's kind of how I picture Jesus talking to these guys. Or if it's damsel, I couldn't stop laughing at this. He's like, hey, ladies, you catch any fish? Ha, ha. He's Jesus. He knows that they didn't catch any fish. And so I just picture him, or these guys, like, sulking with that tone. No, didn't catch any fish. And the guy responds from the shore. Remember, they don't know it's Jesus yet. It says, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. Right, cast your net to the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. You know, this is something that Jesus had similarly said before in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 5. Let's look at what it says. Luke 5, 4 through 6. When he, this is Jesus, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who is Peter, said, put out into deep water and let your nets, and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all day, or we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish and the nets begin to tear, began to tear. You know, I can't help wondering if, if when these guys, they, they hear Jesus, which again, they don't know it's Jesus yet, but when they hear him say in verse six, cast your net on this other side and, uh, and, and you'll find some fish. I, I think the first probably response, at least in my mind, would have been somewhat of pride and puffiness, right? Like, who does this dude think he is? I, I'm the professional fisherman here. I fish on the Sea of Galilee. Even though my nets are empty, don't look at those, but I've got this figured out. But then secondly, I wonder if they start to kind of get that look at one another, like, man, I've, I've heard this before. I've heard somebody tell me to let my nets down on, on another side or let them down when it didn't make sense. Maybe they recognize the tone of voice of Jesus and they're like, man, this, this sounds kind of familiar here. You know, but they don't even argue with this guy on the shore, do they? Let's keep reading. Verse uh, 6b is what we'll call it. So they did. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Wow, they didn't even argue with this guy. No questions, no, no arguing, no nothing. They're just like, okay, I guess we haven't caught anything all night. All night. I might as well put the, put the net on the right side instead of the wrong side or the left side, well, however you want to look at that. And they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Now the light goes off, at least for one of these guys, right? Because let's pick it up in verse seven. Verse seven says, the disciple... The one Jesus loved, which pause right there for a second, is, is also hilarious to me. So this is the gospel of John, right? The disciple that Jesus loved is John. So John's always talking about himself in the third person. Like he's like, oh, well, Jesus loves me, this I know, but does he love you? No, I'm just kidding. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he'd taken it off and plunged into the sea. Now, if you're taking notes, this is what's going to take us to our second and final point today, which is going back to life. Right now, these guys weren't physically dead. It's not like they were zombie disciples or zombie apostles rising up again, right? No, these, these guys had gone back to their old life. They were spiritually dead. 
They've gone back to this old way, but when they see Jesus, they run to him. They run back to life because what does John 14, 6 tell us? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the the life, exactly. He is the life. So they're going back to life because they know that true life is found in Jesus Christ alone. And let's look at Peter's response again when he saw Jesus. He knew it was him. It says he Uh, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He tied his outer clothing around him for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. When I first read that, I was like, I need some context here because it sounds like Peter's fishing naked. Like, I don't know about this. Like, don't do that. That's awkward, man. Don't don't do that. But no, what had happened was they would take those those big robes that they have, they would take those off because they're they're heavy, they're hot, they're pulling in fish. It's it's hard work. And so they would have pretty much like like an undershirt and maybe some athletic shorts on, okay? So he's fishing in that stuff. And then it says, since they were not far from land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish. Ah, that sounds familiar again, doesn't it? Let's go back to Luke 5 and see what is said here. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, remember he's talking again about these nets that are so full that the nets are starting to tear. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Because I am a sinful man, Lord. Wow, Peter felt extremely dirty. He felt unclean. He felt unworthy to even be in the presence of Jesus because he recognized now who this guy was. But now it happens. After Peter comes to know who Jesus is, after Peter has seen Jesus crucified on the cross and he experiences the empty tomb, Now when he sees that it's Jesus, he swims as hard as he can to go be with Jesus. It's quite the opposite response that we've just seen, isn't it? You know what I think? I think that Peter actually understands the gospel at this point. I think he understands the gospel, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, because first I want to ask you this, though. When you sin... And Peter was just off of a pretty significant sin, right, of denying Jesus three times and then the rooster crowing and he knows it and he looks Jesus square in the eye as he's hauling his cross up to Golgotha to be crucified. That's what's happening here. Exactly something he promised he would never do and then he remembered the words of his Messiah saying, yeah, you're gonna deny me three times before that rooster crows. So I wanna ask you, when you sin... Do you run towards Jesus or do you run away from Jesus? Do you run towards him when you sin or do you run away from him when you sin? Because now when Peter sees Jesus, he runs toward him, right? He leaps out of the boat. Maybe he thought he could walk on water again. And so he's trying to get to him as fast as he can to go be with Jesus. Because the good news of the gospel tells us and compels us to run to him and not away from him. You know, religion and and legalist people are going to tell you that you had better run away and get your act together before you even think about stepping in church, before you even think about opening a Bible and learning about this Jesus guy. But the good news of the gospel tells us that when we sin, we are now invited to run to Jesus, to repent of our sin, to seek forgiveness, and then to walk in newness of life with him. You know, next week, we're gonna start talking about what happens after you come back to life in Jesus Christ. 
right? We're gonna talk about how he restores you, how he anoints you, and how he points you to do his will above anything else in your life because that is now the main priority of following Jesus, doing his will, right? But before we leave today, I, I want you guys to look over some questions. Uh, Brittany had put it in the bulletin for us. If you grab a bulletin, uh, if you have one, awesome. If you don't, grab one before you leave. But on the back of your bulletin, there's some questions back there. And I'd like you guys to uh, go through them maybe as a family or, or just do some introspection as you look at these questions. But the summary of these questions will be something like this. What do you need to get back at, to get back at it in your relationship with Jesus? What do you need to get back at it in your relationship with Jesus? Do you need to drop that old thing that you kept picking back up, maybe after COVID, maybe after something happened to you? Do you need to drop those old ways and come back? Maybe there's an addiction that you're working through. You know, maybe you're like, you know, what I need is I need to go to Celebrate Recovery and I need to get some help in this area. So that's number one. Number two. What do you need to get back at it when it comes to participating in the ministry of the body of Christ in this world? Remember, the body of Christ is the church. That's us believers, right? So what do you need to get back at it when it comes to being a part of church so that we can be together, we can encourage one another, right? Then it goes on to number three. Who do you know who could use a supportive friend as they navigate getting back at it? Right? They need a supportive friend. They don't need somebody to come alongside of them, just beat them up across the head. They, they already know what they're doing is wrong. They need someone to walk with them, beside them, and help guide them back to walking with Jesus. Right? When we get back at it, we actually have the opportunity to be Jesus to someone like Peter, who may have slowly or just suddenly left the fold. Right? It's an act of love to remind someone of their First love, their true love, who is Jesus the Messiah. Leo Tolstoy, uh, he was a Russian author in the 1800s. He was a, he was a Christian author. Uh, he wrote this about helping to restore one another. He said, if I stagger and lose the way, you must help me. You must keep me on the true path, just as I am ready to support you. You know, sometimes we need someone to help us get back at it, right? We need someone to help us get back to the way God has called us to, to live. But there's always gonna be someone in our lives who needs us, Christians, to help them get back at it. It's time to get back at it, church, right? We need to be the church not only on Sunday, but we need to be the church Monday through Saturday as well. We don't need to just come and play church for an hour. No, Jesus is looking for followers, not spectators. We need to do this together because I could go off the rail just as, as well as anybody. So that's why we need one another, right? We need to get back at it by feeding the hungry, by taking care of the orphans, by helping people, by praying for them and meeting those physical needs that they have, right? And we can really do this by getting connected in groups with one another, and that's going to help us get back to living just as God intended us to. So church, I challenge you today to get back at it for serving God. Let's pray before we leave today. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much that we can meet together, that we can be here with one another. 
And God, I pray that as we go through this, this sermon series, sometimes it's often a little difficult to, to hear some of these hard truths. And, and Lord, I know sometimes we don't always want to hear these things, but God, we need to hear these things. God, you are the good father who tells us that you guide us and you discipline us. And so God, today I, I, I pray that if we were convicted by this today, that that, that would convict us to follow you deeper, to get to know you more, and to actually be the church. And God, today I ask that if there's people who don't know you yet, that they would take their questions, their doubts, anything that it might be, they would take them to you above all else, Lord. But that they would get plugged in with somebody who can help them on this walk with you. So God, today as we sing this last song to you, as we sing, this is amazing grace, I pray that we would remember how great and amazing this grace is. This grace that has given us new life, this grace that has given us hope, this grace that saves us through faith. God, thank you so much for bringing us together here today. I pray that as we leave today, that we go into this world, God, that we would be the church. Not just come to church, but that as we leave this place, that we would say, now it's time to be the church. Thank you, God, for who you are. We love you. And we ask all these things in your name and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.